0: Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, discuss, and review every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Steve, and I'm here with Patrick. Hello. And Chris. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. Hope you guys brought your Daisy Dukes because we are reviewing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre this week.
1: My shorts are riding right up my butt. Thank Ooh. you very much.
0: Glad I can't see below the table. Uh, <laughs> before before we get into it, what have you guys been up to?
1: It's been a busy week, man. You know, primaries, Super Bowl. Chris, how are you feeling about the, the results of the primaries?
2: Uh, you know, I'm very happy. Bernie won Iowa, Big time, and uh, the Titans uh, won the Super Bowl. Um, it's just been a beautiful week for all our lovable underdogs. Yeah, I don't know if the Titans are an underdog this season, or if they were. I mean, you, they you, used to be.
1: You've you probably gotten the idea at this point, unless we predict. Unless Chris just went.
2: Unless I, a, amazing, yeah,
1: did an amazing job on those predictions that we recorded this a little bit in advance.
2: Yeah, that's why I still sound like shit. Um, sorry. I it's don't okay. Know what, uh, yeah, we're here for you. Yeah. Um,
1: we're pumping him full of. I was gonna say salt water, but I don't think that's a thing. Or no, that is supposed to be good for your throat.
2: I I, I've been trying everything, but um, the like a neti pot sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the good news is. This week we're talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So if I need to clear my throat, I'm just going to pretend I'm making a chainsaw noise.
0: Mm. I was going to say you definitely have kind of a, the gravelly sound of a, a chainsaw engine.
2: Yeah. yeah. Can you
0: demonstrate? Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's that's pretty much all my vocal cords are up to the task to do this episode. So you sound great, honestly. Thank you. But yeah, Texas Chainsaw
1: Massacre. So Stephen, why did you pick this?
0: Uh, actually, for a multitude of reasons. One, we haven't really done a, a you know a film that's considered a classic on the podcast in a while, and I thought it'd be a nice a nice break for us, a break from all the 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 joking and jiving that we usually do, and, and get a little more serious. Maybe we'll see. Uh, reason number two, Chris had never seen the Texas
2: Chainsaw <gasps> Massacre. Gasp! What? That's true. I'm a bad horror fan. This was my yeah. very first time going to put you in horror jail.
0: Yeah. Have you seen any of the shitty remakes or the sequels? No. Prequels? No. Like the squeakles? No. Okay.
2: And and this is... Uh, Steven, I, I think you're on record saying that this is your favorite horror movie of all time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. It's not a film that I'm... Uh, that I really get the urge to revisit very often because it is uh, it is quite a powerful beast in my opinion. I named my cat after director Toby Hooper, who died what? in twenty seventeen. I know I'm sure our our fans are aware of that, but but another another reason I needed another reason to plug Toby on the show. Bless. And you know this was really I think there were probably others, but this is the clearest memory I have like of being a young person, a pre-teenager like. 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, somewhere around there and being really fucked up by a movie. Mm. I, I, I don't know if it was a, IFC or the Sundance channel, but you know, I was starting to become a horror fan. My best friend was a, like, he would say the name Toby Hooper all the time. And now I look back and I, I'm like, wow, how did, he's not really a guy that you th- would think of as like a horror auteur mm-hmm. um, back in that time. I think he's that, that came later. But um, I just felt like, you know, it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was into cult movies. You know, how can you not want to see that? It's such a lurid title. It's so suggestive. It, you know, it conjures yeah. mental images immediately. And I saw it was going to be on a school night at like 11 o'clock on Sundance or IFC. So I stayed up after everyone else in the house went to bed and just sat in an armchair and watched it by myself with all the lights off. But The version they ran was a version with director commentary. Oh, Mm. That's odd. But I was determined. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stay up and watch this thing and see. I think I can handle this. So I turned the volume almost all the way off, and I was hypnotized. The images were so striking and so startling um, that watching the film without sound, it still works. You know exactly what's going on. It's just as terrifying, even without the really cool, innovative sound effects that are in it. And it left a mark on me well worth staying up and being groggy for the next day of middle school (laughs) to see.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I I don't know if it's my favorite horror movie, but it's certainly one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And it's actually funny, you know, a a few episodes ago I was unable to join y'all and it was Steven's, uh, turn to pick the movie that episode and there was it was briefly rumored that you were going to pick this movie and I was like no I want to be on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre I'm not I'm not missing that shit (laughs) 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 um so I'm delighted that we got a chance to watch it together
0: yeah so Patrick you you had seen it before oh yeah Um, a few times what kind of a mark did it leave on you if any um I I mean
1: it's (sighs) You know, I mean, what can you say? It's one of the most uh, visceral and weird horror movies of all time. And the thing that really struck me now watching it, at least the third... I know I've watched it at least twice before this viewing. Mm -hmm. So now having watched it for at least the third time, it just still is like, huh. Like, I mean, it's still a fucking ride, even when you know what's coming. And it's still horrific and oddly funny sometimes. And Yeah, a
0: lot of dark humor
1: in there. It is... it holds up, you know, it's not just like you watch it in 2020 and it holds up from 1970 something. I think. Yeah. yeah. To 2020, but also it like continues to hold up even, even watching it again and again.
0: It's really surprising. It was still surprising to me um, because I don't know, this was like a proto slasher and so many films, like, like a lot of the slasher rules came from like this and psycho and Halloween and black Christmas. But so it's like hard for me, even though I know what happens in this movie, it's still hard for me to like watch it expecting certain things to happen. Like there's one scene where I expect two characters to go off in the woods and fuck mm-hmm. and no, they're going to look for gas. Like mm-hmm. this movie is like not, it's not interested in that. Mm-hmm. And, and it, you know, it, so it's just kind of fun that like even all these years later, it's still kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. It's still doing things that I've not really seen replicate in other films. But before we really get into it, um, I do want to mention, I had a number of ways to watch this movie. So, so, it's uh, for, for the podcast, revisiting this time around. So, I, I have the Blu ray. It's on Netflix. And on the Blu ray, there are several different commentary tracks. And I thought, you know what? I want to see if this is the, the same commentary track with Toby Hooper that I heard mm. when I was 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. It was not. It was new. They did a 4K restoration of it. But I, as just full disclosure, I watched this movie again uh, for the first time in a couple of years with the commentary on and the the main sound kind of the volume lowered on that as it is on commentary tracks i still had to turn it off at about the 30 minute mark because i was too creeped out Mm. and started again the next night (laughs) nice such is the power of this movie for me but uh, should we set it up? I mean...
1: Well, I, f- I feel like... I. So you and I have both kind of given our background with it. I feel like we should hear at least the initial, like the base impression from the man who saw it for the first time, Chris. Yeah,
2: yeah let, let, let's talk about the premise, though, just the 35,000-foot view.
1: Sure. Yeah, so... so Fuck uh, your first impression. We don't want to hear it.
2: The plot of this movie is
0: pretty simple. Um, obviously, it takes place uh, somewhere in Texas. I'm not sure exactly where.
2: I think it was paid for by the Tourism Bureau. <laughs>
1: Uh, I mean, everyone knows the premise of this movie, though. Like, it's a bunch of in high school kids who get stalked by Leatherface and everybody not, knows were, who Leatherface is. I did not know is. the
2: premise. Really? I mean, I knew, I knew Leatherface but yeah. I didn't know what circumstances would bring these kids to Leatherface. Yeah, yeah, so
0: what happens is I think, you know, it's unclear in the film but my impression is they're coming back from a road trip back through Texas. There's been some grave robbing going on in this Texas town and I mean, one of the earliest shots is like this horrifying uh, like couple of corpses perched atop of a giant tombstone One oh, of hot texas sun you know you can almost smell the flesh boiling in the sun
1: one of my favorite opening shots of all well and it's not an opening shot there are shots before that but i think of it as the opening shot because it's just so it lasts so long and just burns itself into your memory because it's so horrifying simple but yeah like you said like you can feel the heat you can feel the dust you can feel the grossness and the fucking Mm -hmm. rotting flesh and i just never will forget that
0: shot. So there's this grave robbing going on in this town. It's being widely reported in the news, rumored about around town. As these kids are coming back, I, um, uh, one of them decides to they should check in on their on their deceased uh, grandfather, grandfather, I think, yeah. just to make sure that his, his corpse hasn't been stolen by this maniac that's on the loose. They stop to get gas at a, at a gas station that doesn't have gas. And actually, there was a gas shortage around this time in the U.S. Mm. Um, that was a pretty big deal back then. Uh, they get some some barbecue meat from the <laughs> for the proprietor of the gas station, and uh, they eventually happen upon a really uh, terrifying house. They're out of fuel, and madness and terror ensue from there. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I I was on board. I I, I I this movie really drew me in, and I found myself immersed uh, and impressed by the the mood and the horror of the images that it was presenting to me and really shocked that for a movie as old as it is, it could still be as visually unsettling and just with such a palpable sense of dread. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. starting with the, the opening monologue, you know, Mm -hmm. the the, the whole like exploitation film thing where it's like, Mm -hmm. let me tell you about the murders of these kids. It was called the Texas chainsaw massacre. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of, Without that, like, you might be bored, but you know all hell's about to break loose. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, this movie I thought was horrifying uh, for at least the first hour or so. Um, I'll tell you, I think once Leatherface starts doing his thing, uh, there's some choices that kind of reduce the horror for me. But then there's some things that escalate the horror. Um, So, I don't know. But it was a good good romp, a fun romp.
0: For a movie that, I mean, as far as I know from everything I've read about it over the years, I mean, this this was like a kind of a slapdash for cash sort of situation where Toby Hooper had made something like 60 documentaries, two feature films that were very low-budget sort of student Wait, films. did you say 60 documentaries? Yeah. Probably Holy short, shit. short subjects or whatever. Wow, you know? okay. Um These are his words from this commentary I just watched. And and he sounded sincere, but he's been known to kind of bend the truth a little
1: bit. But he's a young man at this time. I mean, he's like younger than us, right? He's like 20-something.
2: This movie has, has young director energy yeah <laughs> for better and for worse
1: I mean, it's a 46 year old movie now so he yeah i mean would have to be unless he's like really fucking old
0: now well, he made a lot of short subject or whatever he had experience making making films playing around yeah. film i've seen one of his early experimental shorts and it's pretty out there almost unwatchable i would say but he wanted to you know move to hollywood and get the money to make this movie in texas and really make a splash i mean he did but chris is right it has that big director energy it makes it takes a lot of swings but so much of what happened happens in this movie i've learned over the past few years is like kind of incidental it's sort of like like night of the living dead is the other probably most talked about low budget the innovative monumental horror classic and you know people talk about it as being about like civil rights well the lead actor in that f- in night of the living dead was chosen because he was he was the best actor who auditioned for the role. And yet it takes on this importance, like in the, in the cultural long view. And I think this movie really kind of fits into that sphere as well, where the, a lot of things that happen in are kind of mistakes, I think it was like Toby Hooper was a politically charged guy, but it's a film that like seems to have a lot of themes about co- consumerism, especially, and there's some stuff that seems to be like the Vietnam War. But I don't know how intentional it really was. Okay.
1: Well, I learned that uh, Toby Hooper has apparently said that this movie is about meat. Like it's about meat. It's about like vegetarianism and factory farming.
2: Yeah. So obviously, that really interested me as a vegetarian. Yeah. You, um, And it was explicit. I mean, it's explicit early on. And I thought it was making some pretty bold uh, choices in how it, you know, juxtaposed all the images of the cattle and the descriptions Mm -hmm. of cattle being killed with eventually what happens to these kids. Um,
1: Well, we should probably explain, like, early on, they're driving through the countryside. They drive past a slaughterhouse, and one of them is, like sort of monologuing about factory farming and how they shoot cattle or yeah. something like that.
2: And, and there seems to be a through line, which is a common sentiment in the animal rights community that, you know, how we treat animals is indicative of how we treat ourselves. Yeah. And the way that basically these, these teenagers become prey to people who seemingly have just a complete derangement and, Desensitization to violence that was maybe given to them by working inside a factory slaughterhouse. Exactly. Very interesting to me, and then combined with what I was de- sensed as maybe a Vietnam allegory too. Putting that, all those three I think that together part was incidental.
0: The Vietnam okay. thing, I think, it was just like a product of like the the collective subconscious at the time. I mean, it's in a lot of movies. I mean, people made the argument that Star Wars is a Vietnam movie, yeah. <laughs> like, I, and I think that here it's about as thin. But I mean, there are shades of it, and they in the performances and in some of the details. Like, it's there. It's like you well, can't make a movie in 1974 in you know rural Texas and have it not feel like it has something to say about it. right. You so
2: know? I I told you, Steve, I haven't read any. Critical analysis of this movie at all. I'm a babe in the woods the things that said Vietnam to me where there's the one throwaway line where the girl's reading her horoscope book and she talks about how the universe is out of alignment and there's bad things happening to you personally and also in the world or something like that. So I'm like, okay, so this is a movie made at the height of Vietnam and we're talking about bad things happening in the
0: world. That's oh, as relevant as ever. And then you have, you know,
2: mm-hmm. these kind of like hippie type kids and there's the part where like the camera lingers on the girl looking at like the bloody handprint on the back of the van like, mm. here's some kids off on a on a on a little holiday, f- fun and fancy free. But their hippie van has this has blood on it, literally. And you know, um, and, and then also the fact that the, the weird hitchhiker they pick up takes a picture of these kids and burns it with gunpowder in front of yeah, them, and yes. that he uses gunpowder. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, I mean, I won't go into too much spoilers, but. Our, our remaining victim makes an appeal to the guy who seems to be running the whole show. And it's like, you could stop all this. You could stop all this if you just wanted to. And that sounded like mm. a very Vietnam ah, yeah, line yeah. of dialogue to
1: Interesting. me. I like this. Yeah. Well, well, I,
2: like I think it reading.
0: also has shades of Vietnam, and, and it could just be because of the budget. Though I think this film was shot pretty in a pretty intentional way to look grimy and gritty. But, you know, Vietnam was the first televised war. And we have a lot of films from this era, and I think this one is maybe the most effective. It just probably looked to viewers um, seeing this on the big screen at the time like very similar to what it was like to see, you know, television footage from Vietnam in their homes. This movie has like a lot of kind of, um, you know, the camera moves a lot. Everything looks kind of gritty and sort of like just like more like hyper realistic than than I think I would feel people would be used to in a film in that era. It was and super was cheaply very made, like, gorilla though, style almost.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's as much a a product of necessity as it is artistic choice. And I do sure. think this is a uh, it's it feels weird to say beautifully shot, but it is skillfully very, very skillfully shot movie and very visually effective movie. You know, I was just thinking about it takes a good, what, 30, 45 minutes to even fucking see Leatherface for any of the real, like serial killer shit to start going down but there is so much that is just unsettling and horrifying throughout the first act of the or first half of this movie you know so often with these movies there'll just be that especially with these kind of movies you have just that real dull deadly yeah. sometimes half hour of setup where it's like all these characters are fucking stupid they're all going to die you know just cut to the chase but there's some real unsettling stuff you know chris mentioned the the hitchhiker scene they pick up this guy on the side of the road who later ends up having more significance to the plot but that's a real tense uncomfortable scene long before even he is like cutting himself and lighting a Mm -hmm. picture on fire like it's just the unease in the car as soon as he gets in the
0: van you're like oh why did you pick this guy up yeah I don't remember like why I had that initial impression, but like so many things in this film, I just felt like I was unsafe watching it. Mm -hmm. I felt like the way, not only the way it was written and acted, um, but the way it was directed just made me feel like, this is helmed by a maniac (laughs) who who is disregarding all the rules of cinema. And just like one look at that character and the way that he's framed in this van, you know, he seems Mm -hmm. to take up so much space in this van where other characters are like struggling (laughs) to breathe. (laughs) Yeah, right. I
1: think he's on one end of the van on his own and everybody else is like in a separate shot. There's like four or five people in this van. It's like this
0: fucking unhinged guy just immediately dominates the screen. And as a Mm -hmm. viewer, I'm just like, oh, God, like, get me out of here. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) The slaughterhouse scene, too, is really effective. I mean, you don't see a fucking cow get shot. You don't see anything particularly gruesome. But something about the way it's shot is really disconcerting and alarming. What What slaughterhouse scene... When they're talking about the, the slaughterhouses and they show the Oh, just scenes the kind of, the of stock footage, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I. Eh. Well, it's Is not, stock, it's not stock, know, stock footage because they footage,
2: do think but... there are some close ups and things that just, un, it's unsettling. Of yes.
1: the cows, yeah. While they're, ta- as, as they're driving past the slaughterhouse and talking about like how slaughterhouses work, just that that's, it's unsettling. So
2: all of that was so good that by when then we get to Leatherface about 45 minutes or an hour in, my imagination has been fucking with me so much for the first hour of this movie and freaking me out that when we get to Leatherface and chasing people and screaming and chainsaws, it just didn't really pay off. Now, I mean, that's the problem with a lot of horror movies. Sure. You know, a Once lot... Of- you
0: see the boogeyman and-, and you're in the boogeyman's world, it's often not as frightening. Right. You can see the scenes.
2: Right. So... I don't know if there's a solution. I'm not going to hold it against the movie, but there's some chilling
0: stuff in there, though. I mean, I mean, number one, we have to talk about the introduction to Leatherface. Which yes. is, Yes. I mean, first of all, one I mean, of we're in broad daylight. We're in Samara yes. territory here, <laughs> you know, 50 years ahead of that. Um, we're in broad daylight we're entering this house and we see god it chills me just to think about it a yeah. small doorway next to the stairs with this red wall with animal skulls on it mm-hmm. and a little a little ramp like you'd see in a slaughterhouse to help the you know the cow get up into <laughs> the, the wherever they're going to slaughter it. and leatherface just comes out of fucking nowhere whacks the guy in the head with a hammer up. very realistically whacks the guy in the head with a hammer and uh, it looks very realistic and then slams a the door shut. I mean mm-hmm. this happens in the span of like 15 seconds. We've so far been this has been not a slow movie, but a movie that doesn't have any big scares or big thrills in it. Well, like suddenly we're blindsided and we're in uncharted territory for the rest of this thing.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting the build up to that too because these two, you know, the two young uh lovebirds uh have been kind of like running around. They're at um what's her name? Um protagonist not nancy why am i saying nancy sally Sally, yeah Yeah. sally they're at sally's grandpa's house and they go next door looking for looking for gas right i think yeah
0: they hear a generator
1: yeah and they're like you know exploring around the house and he's knocking on the door no one's answering he goes in and i don't know i just i remember being shocked by leatherface's appearance the first time i saw it it just doesn't build up to it in the way you normally would, the reveal of that character. And it's a thousand times more... Shocking. It's also filmed in like a fairly wide shot, too. Mm -hmm. You know, it just seems so commonplace. You know, know, he just steps out, clocks him on the head, and drags him away. And it's just like, holy shit,
0: what? (laughs) He slams the door. And apparently, that door was a last minute addition, like on the day of shooting. Wow. Toby Hooper decided, like, we need a door, like you'd have a slaughterhouse, you know, like a big metal door. And that makes it even more terrifying Mm because it's like, I don't know, just him slamming that shut and There's a whole other horrifying world behind that door. You don't want to know what it looks like. You don't want to go deeper into this house. And you're almost like, I was almost like thankful for that, that abrupt barrier being pulled back.
1: I think it feels so shocking because you see that door you see that there's obviously something weird down there and I think most other movies would have that character wander all the way down into the basement and see all the weird shit and you're like, you know, don't go in the basement. Why are you going in the basement? Why are you looking at all the weird shit? Get out of the house. But no, he doesn't even go down there and boom, like it's so far ahead of when you're expecting that to happen. It happens. And it's just like, what?
0: <laughs> you're completely blindsided by it. Yeah. Love it. Fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. That even was good the stuff with him. I mean, like even the chase scenes in the woods. I love I, it. Like the, it seems like he's using a telephoto lens. So you're constantly like it's like dream logic where like. Leatherface appear, like objects in mirror are closer than they appear. And like, you don't know, like, what's the distance between Sally and Leatherface? Like what's, you know, it it just feels like, like I've had nightmares like that where I'm being pursued and like, I I don't know if the killer is two inches behind me or 20 yards.
1: Those chase scenes do go on for forever when Sally goes over to the other house, if I remember correctly, looking for the other two. And then and and then is running back to her grandpa's house to get away from Leatherface with the chainsaw. And as I was watching them, I was like, all right, this is getting kind of tedious. Like they've been yeah. running forever. There's a lot of chainsaw noise. But what struck me about that is it almost works it works in like a cinema verite kind of way where like Sally makes mostly smart decisions. Mm-hmm. Like she gets the fuck out of the house as soon as she sees Leatherface, And it's kind of just in real time, like her getting back to the other house.
0: And yeah, that whole final act is it does seem to happen in real time.
1: Right. Yeah. And it feels well real because of that. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, while on one hand i was like "Ah, eh, this is dragging i was also like no this feels really real and it adds to the general just like grit of the movie i guess mm-hmm.
2: i'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a someone watching this in 1974 and mm. where maybe that's just you know it's like 10 years ago they were getting spooked by the train coming into the station on yeah. the train, yeah. you know Ten to see this
1: well I mean the violence in this was widely decried and I mean it's still you know a horrifyingly violent movie but I think no, it was like I think it was talk about that. I think it was even more hor- horrifyingly violent at the time we gotta talk about what
0: we gotta talk about the violence in this movie at some point I don't know if mm-hmm. we want to wait until we get into the spoiler room but it's uh, the violence is handled very interestingly in this film, mm. I mean, it's very interestingly shot.
1: And we haven't talked about the meat hook scene, which I think is not quite spoiler territory. Well, so maybe we could talk about that. Really,
0: I mean, we we've kind of given the whole sort of broad scope of the movie, and we know there's a final girl who survives. You can probably even guess by listening to us talk about this who that is, since this is one of the films that sort of set up that archetype. But yeah, I mean, Toby Hooper apparently while well, he was. Editing this film would – and I've heard this from multiple sources, so this doesn't sound like something he made up, which is, is pretty common to come across that sort of thing, uh, depending on how stoned he is during interviews. And apparently he, he had a number for the MPAA, and he would call them as he was editing the film. And he, he initially wanted – he knew he wanted an R rating, but he was interested to see like what would it take to make this horrific film and turn it into a PG movie. And he would call them and say, like, okay, well, I got a scene where we hang a girl on a meat hook. And they would say, well, you, I mean, that's an R. And he would say, but what if you don't see the hook go in? And then he showed them the footage, and they were like, actually, that's the least violent meat hook hanging scene we could possibly imagine. Like, we would give you a PG for that scene. Which is fucking insane. But, yeah. but there's a lot of that in this movie. Like this is a mostly bloodless horror film. In fact, one of the, yeah, only the times blood
1: we, is different from violence. Like it's still sure. a horrifying thing to see. I mean, the, the, the meat hook scene is horrifying. Oh you yeah. Know? No, it doesn't, it doesn't pull it. any punches. Yeah. You
0: feel it in your spine. But when I like, I've seen it so many times now that like, and every time it still shocks me, but every time I like, I've never done like the frame by frame and I would like to, but every time I'm like, Oh, I see the trick. Like I see how mm. they did that. and made it so effective without, showing anything. Mm-hmm. You see the hook and then you see her being hung in a harness and that's mm-hmm. it. It's two really quick shots and yet it and yet it works. That's genius in my opinion. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of that going on in this movie where there's the suggestion of violence. A character is beheaded. All you see is Leatherface. You see the body, but you don't even see the head and then you see Leatherface move a chainsaw down and it seems to grind on something but you don't oh, see yes. what it is yeah. and yeah. and then you never see the head or but you know that someone was just decapitated yeah and again some of it is just
1: horrifying and and violent has the feeling of violence to it because it's so pedestrian, you know, the yeah. meat hook thing again is just, he picks her up. There's not like a lot of buildup to it. There's not like Toby Hooper's not trying to show you a gusher of blood no. and not trying, you know, he's not trying to do uh, to go back to, uh, to our terrifier episode. He's not yeah.
0: trying to have a oh, look oh, Kind that's, of that's, moment, that's, you because that's, that's the exact opposite of what he does yeah. here. Here, it feels like he's more interested in the metaphor than the act of violence. Mm. He's more interested in he, the human um, image being, you know, uh, synonymous with cattle than he is at, you know, the, the titillation of the
2: gore. And also, it's it's a better metaphor because the horror of the slaughterhouse industry and the horror of what happens in this movie is how routine it is. Yeah. Mm. Well, the hitchhiker
0: says something early on when they're when they pick him up and they're talking, you know, because he had worked in the. In a slaughterhouse, like all the family. Are,
1: oh, that's right. He's the one who explains how the yeah, slaughterhouse and, and works. Yeah, he
0: talks about how, um, you know, one of them is like, "Oh, it's you know disgusting the way they kill them with that gun." He's like, "No, man, you don't use that gun. That's that's not good. You got to use a hammer. Hammer's better." He doesn't explain mm-hmm. why. It's mm-hmm. just because he's like so. I assume like so desensitized to violence that he needed that like extra thrill of being like more responsible for the kill.
2: Or maybe the hammer is better if you have no concern for. A- clean kill yeah you know? and no, for no some- concern
0: for like a, I mean it's, it's not ethical either way but I think it's slightly more ethical to use the gun because it does kill them instantaneously mm-hmm. and they as, assuming if, if it's done right don't feel much the, pain. the
2: gun I think um, stuns I think that's the point. Oh, you're right. It stuns, and then they cut the throat. Yeah, they cut the throat, and the throat's what kills them in in real life.
1: Well, it seems that the hitchhiker enjoys the cruelty as well. Like, that's part of the appeal of the hammer.
2: And then later, you know, there's the character who says... You know, never, never enjoyed killing or something like that. Like I forget what the line is, but but the 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 elder of the family, yeah, indicates that killing's not something to be enjoyed. It's mm-hmm. something that you got to do. And so, if there's any mystery and there's any real spooks, and we'll talk more about all that. I'm sure in a moment when we go to the spoiler room. You know, as much as they maybe overexpose Leatherface, in my opinion, in the movie, they do really hold back on what these people's intentions are and what they're doing with all these dead bodies <laughs> Yeah, well, you know.
0: it's they've got they. Uh, my theory is you know what let's save that for the spoiler room actually <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> it's an I, I interesting wanna, topic to get into
1: I, I want to discuss more your thoughts on um, on the overexposition of Leatherface because I almost feel like they undersell him but I mm. think it's better discussed in the spoiler room so maybe we should just review it at this point
0: yeah I think we've pontificated enough about this thing um, let's go down to the spoiler room, but before we do so, you know what we gotta do? We gotta review it. I'd like to go with Chris first, since he's never seen this film before. Chris, would you this film, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Or barbecue it?
2: Um I, I don't wanna piss anybody off, but I, I think I'm gonna give it a cue it. Right. Hot take. Um, hot take. Yeah, part of that's because oh, hot, I'm a at all. part of that's Blue because horn. I'm a contrarian asshole. But Uh, Part of it is as as much as I thought this movie did a lot of stuff right. The last hour is just a little too much screaming and writhing, and the horror really takes a backseat to me. It kind of just becomes exploitation, not that interesting. Ah, fuck! I don't know. It's still worth a fucking watch. All right, I'll give it a view. It. All right. (laughs) Oh.
0: Wow,
1: that was a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, you just went full Patrick on that one. Yeah,
2: I mean, I was. It got. It held my attention for sure. There were parts where I was like, "Okay, what's going on here?" But, but the fact that it gets as depraved and uh, sensational and maybe titillating as it does, yet still seems to offer up all these interesting thematic threads that we're talking about, eh, that's that's an achievement. And, and again, you know, as, as watching this in the year 2020, it's one of those things where like everything this movie did, we've seen imitated 40 times. Mm-hmm. So it's not going right. to, it's not going to kick like it maybe did originally, but
1: yeah. I mean, this was fucking pre Halloween, you know, this was pre black Christmas, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 So It's the, uh, it's the granddaddy of that shit.
2: I'll give it a view. It
0: Well, Patrick tends to be the wild card, so we'll save him for last. I think. <laughs> I mean I'm gonna give it a view it but I you know I think I th- it's just a film if you're interested in horror I feel like you know you just have to see it at some point I don't think it's like a prerequisite to enjoying any other slasher but I you know get around to it at some point if it's been sitting on your shelf it's worth watching it's, it's worth thinking about it's worth reading about worth discussing that said I do have to say my one sort of caveat uh, the one thing that i that I am kind of on the fence about this film is I do feel like there is a lot of just shrieking and shrillness and nonsense in this film where I'm like, I I can never tell every time I watch it, am I feeling anxious right now because I'm annoyed by the performances and how long the scene is going on? Or am I feeling anxious because this is actually making me feel a sort of dread for the, um, for the characters on screen. I can I can never really figure it out. There's definitely one scene in particular that I wish hadn't lasted as long. That we'll get into in the spoiler room. But it's a movie that feels like it was made by a madman. It's totally effective as far as developing um, a unique and terrifying mood, showing us you know one of the most iconic killers ever created. It's worth it. That's worth the price of admission alone for me. So view it, Patrick
1: well first of all I will say I give an absolute view to my reputation as the wild card I endorse that wholeheartedly Um, but as for the film um, view it obviously view it with prejudice one of the greatest horror movies of all time one of my favorite horror movies Um, you know I I hear what you guys are saying about the uh, the shrieking and the screaming it certainly does great but it feels like a genuine ordeal again it just contributes to this feeling that you're watching something horrifyingly real you know like
0: yeah there's no escape from it for you or for the protagonist I think that it is effectively done
1: I mean if you or anyone else was in that situation you'd probably be screaming for fucking 45 minutes straight too it just it feels real and weird and uh, unlike any movie i've seen it's great go see it why haven't you seen it already fucking asshole go watch it also i don't think you're a fucking asshole thank you so much for listening to every horror movie on netflix
0: Hmm. All right. Well, if your Daisy Dukes are riding up, it's time to pull them back down. Yeah. I've been, I've been, spoiler room. I've
2: been debating whether I want to downgrade back to a Q it, but I guess we'll go to the spoiler room first. Yeah. We can hash it out there. I'm no, the, you
0: have to decide. Yeah, now.
2: I, I know. I know. Once we go I to know. the spoiler room, it's I know. done. That, that's, it's
1: sealed. We notarize it and we send that, it off that's to what I meant. the gnomes who run the website.
2: That's what I meant. That's what I meant. I, I realize that my window to change my, my rating is shrinking. So, yeah.
1: Chris, Chris loves uh, to, to game the average a little bit, which, is, which doesn't exist. There is no average of our rating, but he loves to game it.
2: Here's the thing. The only argument I can make for a cue it is because of the historical time that we live in, where basically, if you listen to this conversation and you know the broad strokes of the story, I'm not sure if watching it's really going to make a big difference in your life. Mm. i don't know if i'm gonna watch it again or really show it to anybody but that you know the, the in its time great film so
1: <laughs> i feel like the view it is standing and i feel like we should hurry down to yeah, the room yeah, you yeah, see yeah. before he overthinks it let's, anymore uh, let's head
0: down there chris make sure to pull the slaughterhouse door shut yeah. behind you lock yeah. it tight yeah we'll see you all in a few moments yeah Welcome back to every horror movie on Netflix. We're down here in the spoiler room and uh, looks like Greg's done some redecorating Remember where he got all those animal carcasses from. Got a little love seat here made out of what looks to be a, maybe a cow and a fox
2: and um, mating. Yeah. He's been uh, picking up some some shifts at the slaughterhouse.
0: There's a lot of chicken feathers on the floor. I don't know why he thought that would look decorative, but um, it's kind of disgusting. I think we're going to have to get a new vacuum to clean all that shit. (laughs) So we've been talking about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the classic, the nearly unassailable film by Toby Hooper. One thing I wanted to talk about up above, and it just didn't feel appropriate, is uh. My kind of theory, I don't know if it's mine. I don't know where it came from. I don't even know if it makes sense. It's a theory. But, you know, this movie made me think a lot about Dawn of the Dead and about uh, consumerism. I think, you know, and I don't know how intentional this was, but we've got, you know, one, Toby Hooper has said, as, as. Patrick mentioned that this movie is about meat and that can mean a number of things, but I, 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 think in some ways it does, it can be read to be about consumerism. I mean, one, this family, Leatherface's family, they've kind of built their own little tiny economy. So, they not only do they rob graves of the recently buried and in process the meat and sell it in their gas station that never seems to have gas. So if you stop there, you're even more likely to get stuck by their house and be murdered and turned into meat that will then be sold to other tourists passing by. Um, but yeah, they, they murder those tourists as well. And it's kind of this like self self sustaining cycle of, of a desensitized, uh, violence and madness and murder and mental illness going on i mean
1: it's kind it's, of a sweet deal it's an intentional community it's a, as it's, they say
0: it's a the currency in this community is meat
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i mean so i mean now that we're down the spoiler room i guess we should hit on the the key bullet points which is that the gas station owner is part of leatherface's family yeah. ostensibly leatherface's dad or surrogate father or something the hitchhiker who was picked up on the side of the road is also part of the cannibal hillbilly psycho family and yeah there's this lengthy sequence that plays out a dinner table sequence i guess is our main sort of spoiler in the spoiler it's our main room. entree yeah <laughs> yeah where sally is the main entree oh and also grandpa we can't forget grandpa Can't forget grandpa horrifying old grandpa grandpa
2: okay just when i was starting to get tired of all the hijinks and the screaming and the running grandpa brought this movie back for me and this yeah. is
0: where like we're in like What a moment.
2: Severe
0: black comedy territory. And I didn't, it didn't register to me that way when I would watch this movie as a younger person. Uh, Now I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Back then I'm like, oh God.
2: Oh, I don't just know. already. I'm tired of seeing you drop the. Fucking oh, hammer. oh yeah, that part. Yeah, that part. Oh, well, but I mean, so it's so
1: hard. Like, there's so many things you can read multiple ways in this.
2: But, but our hero runs into the house and she's fleeing Leatherface and goes upstairs and thinks she sees people. Oh, she doesn't even know it's Leatherface's house at that point, right? She doesn't know what's, what happened. She was there. attacked by Leatherface in the woods, and she runs to the nearest house, which happens to be Leatherface's house. She didn't house. know that all of her friends have died in there. Yeah, like, talk like, about out uh, of the frying pan and the fire. Yeah. My favorite Continue the meat analogy. analogy. Actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So she goes up there and she sees a couple people chilling, like in the second floor, and she seems to think they're living people, but they look like they're just corpses. Like they are, like they're grave robbed corpses. There's an old man and an old woman, practically like mummified. And then later, and I mean, I don't know, I'm explaining this for the two people who haven't seen the movie, I guess, but you know, later she gets captured and brought to the family dinner, and they wheel this mummified looking fucking corpse down the stairs in like a rocking chair and then it's the grandpa
0: he's the patriarch of the family
2: and then they they cut our hero's finger and grandpa's actually barely alive and like starts sucking the blood out of her finger <laughs> so, <laughs> it's nasty. so nasty horrifying and also hilarious yeah And then, yeah, and then later, because Grandpa used to work in the slaughterhouse in the good old days, they're trying to kill her with a hammer, but he, like, can't hold the hammer.
0: And that's, like, clearly, you know, it's kind of like, oh, Leatherface brought home a girlfriend, you know? It's, like, really fucking funny. Guess who's coming to dinner? And
1: and to speak to both Stephen's point about, uh, you know, sort of the economy or the community created by these characters and... Uh, sort of the overall theme we've been discussing about the sort of thin line between black comedy and horror in this, like obviously it's been noted by many people the way this dinner table scene seems to sort of parody the nuclear American family, Uh you know, with uh, grandpa as well as the grandpa and the um, gas station owner as the dad, who's like bitching out the, the hitchhiker kid for like being a shithead all the time. Um, And then Sally is, you know, the guest who's coming to dinner sort of girlfriend and, on that level as black comedy and as parody of, you know, the American family, it's pretty fucking funny. But at the same time, Sally is horrified and screaming and it's really unsettling. And I think, I guess my overall point is it works as both. Like I'm watching yeah. that scene and I'm both chuckling at it as that parody. And also like, holy shit, this is just an intense ordeal portrayed at length on screen. You and know?
2: it's really a new take on horror comedy. You know, because we've talked about horror comedy before. And, you know, I always think it's funny when you have horror stuff played with a straight face or whatever campy stuff. We also talk about horror comedies that are like comedies like Shaun of the Dead, where there's a horror element. But to have something be simultaneously terrifying and also hilarious. Yeah. Ah, What a feat.
0: It's really rare. Yeah. And this pulls it off. I will say, if you want to see that scene for an entire movie going completely off the rails with Dennis Hopper you have to watch (laughs) Toby Hooper's sequel to this which is a I, I i recommend seeing it once if you found this film at all intriguing i haven't i really, really need goes, to see that it really goes like balls to the wall Gonzo, with the humor hmm. <laughs> in a kind of delightful way i think
1: that's such an interesting point about the horror comedy because so often we get upset with horror comedies for undercutting the horror or you know for the you know the the basic conceit being hey you know how horror movies work like watch this thing that is a horror movie but we're just constantly colored. calling attention yeah. to the fact that we're parodying horror conventions and there's nothing fucking scary about it. Maybe there's some gore, but there's nothing unsettling truly about and, it. And, and at, this you know. is such an effective, true combination of because those two things because
0: it's playing to like, I mean, one, something that was like probably just beginning to be maybe had long been socially relevant, like the breakdown of the nuclear family. So like mm-hmm. there's some inherent humor in seeing like this fucked up group of maniacs that, Still, like, identify with each other as family, and they have this like very traditional family
2: structure. And opera, yeah, they operate, yeah. The, 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 it's not even a dysfunctional family, really. I mean, a little it's bit as functional as any, uh, I guess. Uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that, you know, we, we've talked about the hammer scene where the family insists that Grandpa is going to be the one to make the kill on Sally, and he's going to do it with the hammer. Grandpa is the best at this. You know, it's repeatedly noted that Grandpa is like the king of killing shit with the hammer, and Grandpa is so fucking feeble, he keeps dropping the hammer every time he tries to kill Sally. And Jesus Christ, how many times does he drop that hammer? Oh, it fucking goes on hammer? for
0: seemingly forever.
1: And it, and it, it is perfectly straddling that line because sally is rightfully horrified it makes sense that this old fuck wouldn't be able to hold this hammer but at the same time it is oddly funny that it just keeps going on and on yeah. and you just your brain doesn't know how to process it it's that moment. so
0: weird it's yeah. off the wall i mean yeah. it sh- should be noted that
1: I- and you <laughs> see it hit her head at one point and like the chunk of like skull or it's like not flesh hard underneath enough. He doesn't have enough. right he, he doesn't kill her he it. just makes like a horrifying flesh wound
0: i mean god get the man a power drill or something <laughs> a hand yeah is no longer a good tool for him
1: and and in the end you know there's still, and this is another way where i just compare it to the many many movies that have followed in its footsteps there's not really like some you know she doesn't like she's not reaching the whole time for like a fucking like a knife that's just out of sight and then like plunges it into the hitchhiker's side or something she just somehow slips his grip finally and jumps out the window which again just adds to that this whole thing just feels too fucking real you know and that
0: scene where she jumps out the window i mean that like what else are you gonna fucking do there's so many times in horror movies where i'm like Look, it's two stories. Either twist your ankle or die here. Just break through the glass. And she just does it. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this movie definitely repeatedly subverts that comment and complaint about people making stupid decisions in Uh horror movies. Like Sally, at least, makes mostly smart decisions consistently through this movie and is uh, pretty smart in in, uh, her own survival.
2: I thought she was going to die. The whole time I thought she was going to die. The first time I saw this, I did too. And I was shocked when she actually survived at the end of the movie. Because, I mean, the opening scrawl tells you that her and her invalid brother got Texas Chainsaw massacred. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's right. The scrawl says she died, doesn't it? it doesn't, I don't know if it says she died. I'd have to rewatch it. Oh, but okay. it certainly doesn't it's sound good. Sort of ambiguous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, she gets that's away.
0: I mean, Leatherface chases her into the sunrise. She gets in a truck. He's just sort of impotently swinging his his big dick chainsaw around because oh. she got away.
1: The okay. Here's the dumbest decision in this movie is that that truck driver gets out of the truck. So a truck's a, a big like semi truck yeah. stops for Sally.
2: Uh, a cattle truck.
1: Is that what it yeah. is?
0: Oh yeah. That's right.
1: Stops for her on the road. So she she runs from the house. Leatherface is chasing her. The hitchhiker is chasing her and she's trying to flag down somebody to pick her up. Semi truck stops. Driver gets out of the car because Leatherface has like chainsawed the side of his, of of his truck a little bit. And the truck driver, wait, what happens to him? They
2: like, they get back in. So the driver gets back into the cab. He pulls her back into the cab, but instead of taking off, they exit they go out, out the other, other side. side of that's the cab. Right.
1: And I don't know why they don't just take off, but whatever. Like, small note, because
2: Sally but ends yeah, up getting I, away. There's really, yeah, and then another truck comes, and she gets in that one and gets away. So I don't really understand why that was there. And I was like, oh, well, this makes thematic sense. She's leaving on a—she escapes in a cattle truck or whatever, but an, an, then that's just kind of That there. would be
0: a really eerie ending. And, yeah. and if she—like, she, she escapes, like, the, the meat business— it winds up just being she thinks she doesn't, she just winds up being becoming you know complicit uh, lamb for or, slaughter or, or something or
2: like or for, or maybe she's not slaughtered, but I mean, do you just have a final image maybe of her in the cab of this cattle truck, happy that she's survived, and then you see all the cattle stuck in the back of the truck, uh, you know? but maybe two uh, on the or maybe the cattle maybe
0: the driver's very attractive and she's about to become a cattle wife,
2: yeah, maybe. <laughs> A little, <laughs> a a little farm babe. Dirt.
1: Yeah. One of the one of the most satisfying, entertaining, hilarious, and also horrifyingly real moments in this movie is when the hitchhiker runs out in front of the truck and just gets unceremoniously just plastered and you see him like under the tires. Like that's another one of those moments where I'm just like processing it on multiple <laughs> my brain is just it's just hitting my brain on multiple levels, you know?
0: Yeah. Great moment. Well, she gets away and she's screaming and seeming like a, a wild mix of emotions, terror, ecstasy, relief.
1: She definitely seems to be smiling at the end, even she's as like she's like and sobbing and screaming time. and laughing. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's so disturbing. And like that whole final sequence, there's so many things in this movie that are burned into my mind. Um, and that also haunted me as a kid, all this broad daylight stuff. I remember wandering, wandering around, you know, like, you know, farms in Newport with my friends, and in the, in the hot summer, and hearing like the cicadas mixed with like weird like power tool noises in the background. and Thinking like, oh god, like we're gonna get Texas Chainsaw Massacred right now. Mm-hmm. And that ending especially has that feeling just that that the sunlight bleeding. I mean, it almost looks everything mm-hmm. looks like all the gorier because of when it was shot. I learned today that apparently everyone hated working on this movie except Toby Hooper. Apparently. <laughs> Uh, it was hot. It was miserable. He didn't know. You know, he didn't always know what he was doing. He was purposely trying to make people feel uncomfortable, so it would show in their performances. Apparently, that last shot of her driving at the truck and the screaming—that's not the last shot, or not the last shot, but like the last we see yeah. of her. Apparently, they had filmed it all, and she thought she was finally done with this movie. <laughs> and they called her back and said we didn't get it, and she had to do it again. And she said. Again, people like to embellish, yeah. especially looking back. But she said, that is not me acting. That is me being thrilled that I'm finally done working on this fucking uh, thing. <laughs>
1: well, it's a great shot and a it's great beautiful. performance. Yeah, it's yeah. just, yeah, it definitely burns itself into your memory, as does, of course, the iconic final shot of Leatherface fucking swinging his chainsaw yeah. around, dancing as like a silhouette against the uh, sun rise set i don't know what it is
0: who knows at this point it's such a delirious film
1: i think it's sunrise i get the sense that like well yeah because the not, dinner and stuff has happened overnight i yeah. assume
0: that like like a normal nuclear family they they have supper around at four a.m seven 5 o'clock a.m., yeah <laughs> seven o'clock at night um you know what i love about leatherface he gets up and puts a tie on every day <laughs> <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> he also
1: puts some makeup on for dinner which is yeah. interesting
0: yeah yeah oh he gets draggier as the movies oh on yeah. too
1: oh yeah. yeah oh man such a great ending jesus christ like and i mean like that shot of him is like maybe 10 seconds or something and, just, and then just hard cut to black i i just had the biggest smile on my face when i finished finished watching this and was just shaking my head like god damn that's a wild movie it's still so good
0: <laughs> it's such an iconic shot that like I could honestly see that being pl- like a car commercial being structured around that shot <laughs> like <laughs> Sally gets into a BMW and, just, uh, and like, it, it would sell
2: well we <laughs> well, we, well, we just saw that on this this year's Super Bowl oh really they had a commercial where Sally gets in the truck and she's there she's leaving what? and then um, a, a, a Ford F-150 pulls up at the stop light and she gets out of that truck and into the Ford F one hundred and fifty.
0: What? What? <laughs> Are you <laughs> what? <fucking> kidding me?
2: <laughs> what? That's wild. I'm, I'm making this up. Oh, but, but we're, oh, we're oh this oh, year's
1: shit. Super Bowl. Yeah. So oh, I forgot about her. God,
2: God
0: damn it! I th- I bought that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: amazing, amazing. I God, almost
1: I almost up. feel like we should re record that where we like play yeah, we along we're, we're, yeah yeah oh yeah we should do that
2: no but don't because
0: i'm saying i could almost see it happening in real life and yeah it's true like, oh well it did just happen you idiot didn't you watch the super bowl
1: it's totally plausible yeah good yeah. good good commitment to the bit chris yeah, yeah. sorry we uh failed to play along
2: that's okay so um it was ill-timed um
1: but congratulations again to bernie
2: yeah so this is uh this movie came out after deliverance Hmm. I thought about deliverance several times watching this movie. N- naturally. Yeah. And and where does this idea come from of if you go into rural America you're going to find people who have bad intentions? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, one I mean, Toby Hooper and Kim Hankel who wrote
0: the movie, they're proud Texans. So, you know, I don't think they're for whatever reason, when Toby Hooper, I think, had an office in L.A. at this point, I, I, I think he loves Texas, and I don't think he's trying to malign it in any way by making this movie. But it certainly doesn't make me want to drive through some of the some of the more sparse parts of the
1: state. <laughs> well, and do we want to get into, like, this Red movie's
0: horror? Joe Bob did not actually.
1: No, that wasn't what I was going to say. Okay. Do we want to get into this movie's portrayal of the mentally handicapped? because at least leatherface i think is supposed to be mentally handicapped right
0: i don't know i don't know i don't know or the physically handicapped there's some now kind of problematic stuff about that too i don't really fucking care
2: actually it, yeah. it's not about i mean that. it's, it's I mean, of its time i think yeah. it's enough to say that the reason for their derangement it's not like joker which will be an academy award winner next week when it wins best picture Best actor, best director, best screenplay, mm-hmm. best movie of, of all time. Um, <laughs> it's not like Joker," where it just like attributes this stuff to like specific mental illnesses or whatever. Um, it, it, it attributes all their crime to the conditions of them growing up in this slaughterhouse culture
0: yeah they, they they grew up poor they grew up in like you know
1: isolated. i mean it doesn't attribute it to anything really like it's it's all left so
2: vain. well i guess it's open to interpretation yeah. but again like i said I, I the way i interpret it is that the banality of slaughter that happens on a slaughter floor and in an industrial or if you want to look at it as a consumerist thing um I just that process deranges people, and it does. I mean, it does. The people who work in slaughterhouses in real life have not only high incidences of workplace injury, but high incidences of mental illness and PTSD and that kind of stuff. So,
1: I just if there's one thing that actually does bother me or that I don't like about this movie, it's that there is, at least to me, a sense that Leatherface, at least, and possibly the hitchhiker as well, is supposed to have some sort of mental illness, and that's Part of why you're supposed to find them scary or upsetting. Or well, isn't that
0: true of many of the serial killers that this was inspired by, like Ed Gein? I mean,
1: yeah, I just don't know that it's handled in the most. Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, well,
1: thoughtful way.
0: This is not a movie about that. that or, or I like, I know what you mean. I understand what you're saying, but like, I, I feel like that's an unfair criticism of this movie. This, this movie is just about scaring the fuck out of you by any means possible, with you know some potential for social subtext in there. I never really, I didn't see Leatherface as a human, even
1: Leatherface. Like, t- well, t- and t- maybe, and maybe that's another part of the problematicness of it is that it encourages you to see this nonverbal sort of childish but adult sized character as something less
2: yeah so we're not we're not talking about mental illness but we're talking about mental development I think is what you're talking about
1: Cognitively impaired. Yeah, yeah. I, now we're now we're really getting into lingo.
2: If, yeah. if, I don't know, but but that's a distinction because obviously anytime, no, you, have is, a, anytime yeah. you have a anytime you have a a maniac in a movie in a horror movie, no matter what they're doing, whether they're stalking the babysitter, whether they're locking people up and making them cut off their feet, whether they're doing anything. mental illness is going to be at play
1: or insanity. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Yeah. I guess it's it's more cognitively.
2: When we, when we see a a full size man, a giant man behaving like a child, and maybe it's like we think like maybe Huey sort of thing. And we think maybe yeah. that's the reason for his, his, his evil. Um, yeah, I see where it's a little problematic and that's another and, and
1: it's certainly a trope in movies. Certainly. I don't really think it's a trope anymore. It's just, and again, it's not, obviously I love this movie. It's not something that bothers me that much, but it's still one of those things where it's like, ah, uh, this is one of those things that doesn't
2: quite hold. Well, up. and as a practical matter, that's one of the reasons why, um, the I say leatherface kind of gets overexposed to me because you have all these just really unsettling uh visuals that are really handled with with a deftness even from the opening shots of the movie where all we get are little flashes of of flashlight light through you know casket openings onto the fingers of decomposing corpses, all this stuff that really puts you on edge, and then we have extended sequences of this apparently feeble-minded maniac wearing a mask sitting around in broad daylight giggling and dancing and doing whatever and it doesn't play well with me mm. i don't get a scared i'm not scared of that isn't that's not what i had in my mind when i saw the rotting corpses hanging out at the cemetery or the or the room full of the the bones and the feathers
1: does it feel less real to you
2: Um, Well, that's why I said it kind of felt like a young filmmaker. I think it does feel less real, and it feels like someone like, "Isn't this fucked up?"
1: Mm. You know, I could see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds like Toby Hooper. I don't know. I, I, I I, I think it's. A little bit ridiculous to talk about this movie being problematic in its portrayal of mental illness because we get so little information. Cognitive, mm-hmm. Cognitive we've, impairment. Cognitive impairment.
1: Whatever you want to say. Course corrected our language.
0: Okay. Well, I I I think that's really like picking nits at this point. This movie is not. I mean, doesn't yeah. have a lot. It does not flesh out a lot of details. I. I was personally not offended by it and didn't even really think of it. Like, Leatherface is just, like, a very And
1: if you weren't offended, then why should anyone else?
0: Leatherface is a very specific menace. I don't think this movie is, like, trying to say that, like, you better watch out for that guy that's not fully developed over there because he could kill you with a chainsaw. It's more about, like... I I see this, personally, as a movie about a kid trying to impress his dad. And the... The, this family seems to have their own sort of fucked up idea of like what is socially appropriate I don't even know if it necessarily has to do with cognitive impairment so much
1: I don't know that it's you know saying you should be afraid of the cognitively impaired but I think it's playing on people's existing ignorance of and lack of knowledge of and, and perhaps fear of the cognitively impaired and again it's not it's not something that ruins the movie for me it's just something where I go eh, that feels a little weird now
0: I don't know. I mean, he was inspired by an amalgam of serial killers who were all um, very unstable people. And I feel like he's like so cartoonishly um, just sort of unstable that it, I didn't really even see him as human. And I guess you could argue that's the problem. Yeah, I, I, would. I, I don't know. I, I, would. I, I, I think. And that route is kind of it. A-
2: and also, I, I think um, another thing is he, he seems more childlike once you introduce multiple patriarchs in the family who clearly have authority over him.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't want to get too bogged down in it because <laughs> I, 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 I hesitated to even bring it up, but it's still just something that definitely registered for me as I was watching the movie. And then, I, you know, I think it's worth discussing at uh, least. And we did. Yeah, It's important to make sure that uh, people are... Treated well, no matter who they are. Oh, well, um,
0: I agree with that.
1: And speaking of treating yourself well, <laughs> you know how well you would look in an Every Horror Movie on uh. Netflix t shirt? You need to go to movie on Netflix.com right now. We have t shirts. They look beautiful. They can be had for a very affordable price. Go get one. Also, follow us on social media. We're at AmonCast on all your socials, E H M O N Cast. And, uh, you know, worth plugging, once again, we're going to be at the Motor City Nightmares Horror Con in Detroit. Uh, this April,
2: it's in Novi. It's in Novi.
1: Well, for our national and international listeners who may happen to not know the suburb of Detroit our, known as you know Novi, what? our shall I Google that? Detroit term? is the earliest, easy, no, no, Detroit listen, is the easiest no, way to no, describe no. it.
2: Our national and international audience, especially, needs to understand that if someone says to you that they're from Detroit or they live in Detroit, be suspect. Look at their driver's license. If it says Novi, if it says Royal Oak, if it says Monroe, if it says Dearborn, if it says Grozeal, if it says, Uh, do you think that's unique to Northville? Yes. Like, yes, I think it is because I think that you can credibly say you're from Chicago if you live in uh, Naperville. Or something, but I think if you, you I never think, hear I, I, happening in I Southern think, California. I think, Metro Detroit is so culturally and economically stratified that Novi is not replaceable, is not a synonym for Detroit.
0: It's like living in New Jersey and saying you're from New York. Like it's. <laughs> I, don't know. I do feel like it's a problem that's very unique to Michigan. Anyway. Well,
1: much as you may hesitate to do so after hearing that <laughs> extremely interesting tangent, we also encourage you to go on your podcast provider of choice and give us a five star review as well. Just show us how much you love us and show the rest of the world how much you love us so that they have even more reason to give us a listen.
0: All right. So, um it's been wonderful talking about this with uh the two of you. Been looking forward very much to this film dropping on Netflix and being able to discuss it.
2: It's good to have some uh I I'm glad this movie's on Netflix. Yeah. You know, we don't get a lot of classic horror films on Netflix. There's hardly even any movies from the 70s on Netflix.
0: Yeah. So, are we are we spinning the wheel?
2: Yep. Yeah. All right, well, it is time to break out that dusty old wheel of death. The Giga Wheel, the new and improved electronic virtual wheel that has every horror movie on Netflix on it.
1: I think it's starting to achieve sentience already. It, when I walked in before, it us up? When I walked in before, it greeted me by name.
2: It, it was weird. It hums. It blinks. It 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 clicks. It clacks. It, it, it has, opened
0: it, my beer for me. It has LEDs. Wow. On it. Yeah.
2: It's it's tied into our, your smart devices, your smart speakers. We got fucking Ultron over here. Yeah, it's it's yeah. So if only uh, it had the voice of James Spader. Uh, we'll work on that update. All right, let's uh, let me let me bring this fucker up. All right, Chris,
0: give her a spin. There we go. There we go. That is fucking hypnotic.
1: It's opening a beer for me while it's doing this little uh, randomized process as well.
0: Oh, yes. The Devil and Father Amorth. This is a William. Father Friedkin, what? Father oh, Amorth. Yeah. This is a William Freakin documentary that I've been actually thinking about picking up for this. Uh, out for the show for a while where he follows or films in, an allegedly real exorcism
1: wow, oh, wow. this yeah. sounds dope i mean william friedkin and our second documentary
2: if there's on one the guy, show. if there's one guy you can trust to make non-fictional films about exorcism it's william friedkin absolutely
0: apparently he's a believer so i am fascinated to see this and it's also really short so
1: dope
2: he's going cool for us exciting
0: all right, well, until next time, for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Stephen.
2: I'm Patrick. And I'm Chris. Don't
0: get chainsawed. Bye-bye. <clears throat>